Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey everyone, and thank you for listening to the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in every week. As usual, an extra special thank you to everyone who is supporting the show on Patreon. If you like the show and find it provides value and want to help keep it going, check out the Patreon link in the description. Here's what's coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. We don't want to get to the end of our lives and be sitting in our rockers on our porch and (laughs) say, I wish I had. Um, I'm eternally grateful that we had the opportunity to be able to retire when we did onto the sailboat and and for those five years that we spent cruising. I I just am so, so grateful that we did that and, and that we had the opportunity and the means to do it. And that we didn't wait. I mean, we weren't really ready. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liveaboard Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. Today, we are talking about chasing the travel dream after retirement. My guest is Deb Akey, who learned to sail in her 50s and together with her husband bought a sailboat and went cruising for five years. We cover topics like the challenges involved in managing a rental apartment, going from lake sailors to ocean sailors, and some realizations and learnings she had about offshore sailing on a two-person crew. Deb also shares some great advice for anyone considering this lifestyle, especially for those thinking of leaving after retirement. Now here is my chat with Deb. 
At what point in your lives did the sailing dream start to develop for you and your husband? Um, we were well. I was fifty-one at the time, and my husband was fifty-two. We're we're just about a year apart, and the driving force behind it was a way to retire early.、Um, we wanted to retire while we still had bodily strength to to do something fun. And so, in the process of trying to find some way that we could retire early that we could afford,、uh, the the boating lifestyle came up in my Google research, and so we started to look at that possibility. And we had no prior boating or sailing experience whatsoever at that point. And and was the liverboard sailing concept the idea of people living on their boats instead of in a house? Was that already a familiar concept, or did you discover this、uh, at some point as you started to look into all this? We discovered it as we looked into it. It was completely foreign to us. We had no idea that anybody did this. Every vacation we ever took, we always went to water somewhere, either a lake or the ocean. We've always both loved the ocean. And so, doing something on the water was a really natural step for us, just because we love it so much.、Uh, but the lifestyle was completely foreign, and so we spent a lot of time in our spare time looking on Yacht World and and、uh, reading different blogs, different people's stories, and that's how we became familiar with it. But we also realized at that point how far we had to go. In order to get to be able to realize that dream, so we started looking for classes to take, and so that's how we started out. We we looked up those classes and then began to to take those lessons. Yeah, that's wonderful that you've discovered that as well. Obviously, that comes shortly after. Like, yes, the sailing would be great. It's like, wait, I don't know how to sail, so <laughs> always need to get that. Experience it first. So you went in and then you did your courses and started to move this dream and and plan a little bit、uh, further along what you called your retirement project, which I love.、Um, so when your plan developed from just an idea or a dream to a little bit something more real. I would love to hear what was your family's reaction to this. Were they on board? Were they a little? Um, scared or for, oh gosh, what are mom and dad going to be doing now? Or what was their take on that? <laughs> well, it took some time for them to even realize what was happening because my husband and I are both in aviation and we're both pilots, and as a result, everything that we do is probably overthought and overplanned. And so, you know, we started with our ASA 101 class on the lake, and then we took our、um, 103 and 104 on the lake. And then、um, after that, we thought, well, yeah, this is something we probably think we want to really do. And so we maybe ought to buy a practice boat. And so we ended up buying a Compact 27 right there on the lake that somebody owned and was selling. And began to learn not just how to sail, but how to manage life on a boat.、Um, we learned a lot about systems maintenance, which is ultra critical if you want to live this lifestyle. You either have to be independently wealthy, or you have to know how to do the work yourself. And it wasn't until 
we had had that boat for some time, I think that our family began to realize that this was something we were serious about. Because until that point, it was, yeah, we're taking some classes, we're learning how to sail, we're going and having fun on the lake on the weekends. But once we began to actually spend substantial amount of time on that boat, uh, learning how to live on it, that's when they became aware of it. They were very supportive. I have three daughters. My middle daughter came out to the lake to sail with us one day. And after we were done sailing, my husband said, well, what do you think? And she looked off in the distance and she looked back at him and she kind of smiled and she said, I think it's a lot of work. <laughs> and, and so that was her, that was her only comment. Um, but then my oldest daughter and her husband, who at that point only had one child, um, came to visit us on that boat, on that Compact 27. And my son-in-law, who's an artist, went down in the boat. He turned around, looked at all the space. He sat down on the settee, stretched out and said, this is all the space a man needs. And that was the beginning of their sailing adventure. Which um, So it's definitely in the family. They're very supportive. Oh, that's wonderful. You've just inspired generations literally by going out and, and doing this for yourself. So that's fantastic. And uh, well, obviously, so learning to sail on that smaller boat was an important step in the in the longer journey. Uh, and at what point did you then buy the bigger boat? And how long did you have the smaller boat before you decided like, okay, we need a, a real boat that can Go a little further than the lake. We bought the practice boat we bought in 2008, um, in the beginning of 2008. And we had it uh, all the way through 2000, uh, the, the middle of 2011. In the spring of 2011, we started spending a lot more time on Yacht World and all of the boat sail sites. And then we took a train trip up to Chicago for the Chicago Boat Show in January of 2011. And we went around and looked at a bunch of boats there, and they actually had some of the, the newer um, boats there for sale. And they had offered this, um, this lease to buy, like you buy it, you put it in charter, and that helps you to pay for it. And we looked at that, but it would have taken five years of the boat being in charter before it would have been paid off and before we could leave. And we didn't want to wait five years. And so we kind of mixed on that idea. It's a valid idea for some people in some situations. If we had started earlier, it might have been a better option for us. And it, it does have difficulties with it because you're getting a boat that somebody else has spent a lot of time using. Um, and so it might not be in as good a shape as you had hoped by the time you take full possession of it. Um, but it just didn't work for us. And so while we were there, that night in the hotel, I was looking at Yacht World and I noticed this boat that was local in Chicago and the broker was at the boat show. And so the next day, we went back to the boat show and got in touch with the broker and um, made arrangements to come and see the boat the weekend after that. And so um, 
So we took the train back up the following weekend and saw the boat and decided to get it. So um, because of winter in Chicago being what it is, we didn't end up actually closing on the boat until the end of March, and then we didn't end up moving it um, until, I believe it was May. It was either May or June before we finally moved it. And what we did is we trucked it down to the lake where we currently had our Compact 27 and put it on the lake so that we could spend the next year, you know, learning how to live on that boat and getting it up to snuff because there were a lot of projects that needed done on it. Um, and so, um, so that would have been, that would have been early that summer. And then we sold the Compact 27 in the middle of that summer. Um, and then continued on the Tartan. It was a Tartan 42. And we continued then to stay on that Tartan 42. Um, because of many issues with that boat, we ended up not leaving until September of 2013. Uh, and we trucked it out to Annapolis, which is where we started our cruising time, was from Annapolis. We had originally hoped to go north and go out the Great Lakes and down the East Coast, but because of the delay, you know, we couldn't do that because it would have been too cold and the storms would have already started on Lake Michigan. So so it, we had it a year and a half, let's say, before we actually left. So, okay, so you've done your sail training, you now have a boat as well, it's all ready to go, but we kind of skipped over the one other important preparation step, which is, of course, what did you do with everything else? You know, you had a house that you had lived in and all this kind of non-boat related uh, preparation. Obviously, you know, step one must have been to actually quit your jobs or maybe that was step three. I don't know. <laughs> what was that preparation like? <laughs> well, um, I, I actually quit my job in 2011 and then began to do a just a contract cleaning job for that that next year and a half so that I had a little bit more free time. My husband didn't didn't leave his job until June of 2013. And we decided because the market was so terrible at that point, we decided to rent our condo in St. Louis rather than sell it. And we got a a 2-year rental contract with some tenants and then rented that for that first two years. And then in 2015, uh, we we took a summer break off the boat during hurricane season. We put the boat on the hard and came back and sold the condo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's a really good strategy too because then that way you have a bit of a, a, a safe place to go back to without being entirely out of anything. But then it sounds like the second half of your cruising, you that was it. You just had your Fortiford uh tartan and that's it we sold everything um when when we bought the boat i mean we got rid of everything we completely cleaned out the house and left only a few bits of furniture that the tenants wanted in there um so we were all in i mean there's no question we were all in we never intended to come back to the house it was just a financial strategy to to you know get us through until the market we we're hoping the market would pick back up as it turned out it really didn't. And we kind of took a beating on the condo, but we didn't want to try to find new tenants. Uh, renting is, renting is difficult. Um, it's, it's a good strategy for some people, but if you're going to rent your house to keep it, you know, like let's say you only want to cruise for 
you know, five years or even 10 years, whatever, or even a year. If, if you want to cruise and you want to rent your house so that you have it to come back to, it's really a good idea to secure the services of some rental agent who can keep a very close eye on your property. Because being far away is not the ideal. <laughs> no, exactly. And you can have, like you said, you can have a little bit of oversight. You don't know what's going on there. But also if the renter needs something from you and you're, you know, somewhere in the Caribbean, that's not going to really work out. <laughs> exactly. It is a good strategy for a lot of people, you know, and, and, um, and we know quite a few people that do it. But it drove me crazy. It was a constant source of stress for me. And getting rid of it was the best thing that we ever did. And for us, it was also, it, it was a, it was a financial strategy because we left, we, we did not have sufficient cash to carry us through five years of cruising when we left. And we knew we didn't. And we thought about, well, do we hang around and keep saving until we have enough? Or do we just go and figure out how to make it work along the way? And we knew quite a few people who were um, cruising, and then during the hurricane season, they would park somewhere and work. And it seemed to make it possible for them, and that's pretty much where we ended up. We kind of thought that's what we would do. And so, you know, we left, we cruised for the first three years on the cash we had, um, including the, the money that we made selling the house. So um, so we had that cash, and we had the cash in savings that we started out with. And then in 2017, we stopped for hurricane season, and my husband worked in a boatyard for, um, for that, that season, and, and I did projects on our boat. And then we did the same thing in 2018. Again, we went back to the same boatyard and, um, and he worked and I worked on the boat. So, it, you know, it's, people want to know how much it costs to go cruising. It's going to take whatever you have. If you're rich, you're going to cruise differently. You're going to spend more time on docks. You're going to spend, more money motoring because you'll have fuel money. If you're trying to do it on a budget, you're going to spend much more time at anchor, which was us. We spent almost all the time either on anchor or a mooring ball. We hardly ever went to a dock. And so you, you have to understand before you go, what, what is my lifestyle like? What do I want? It's not going to be that much different on the boat than on land. If you spend a lot of money eating out on land, you're going to want to spend a lot of money eating out on the boat. Just because you're on a boat doesn't mean you're going to change those core desires. So if you want to cruise, you have to spend some time really analyzing who you are and what your expectations are of cruising before you decide whether it's something you really want to do. Yeah, that's a really good advice as well. And did you have a fairly high level of confidence after having that small boat that you would like the lifestyle? Or were you still kind of like, well, we'll see? No, there was no question in my mind whatsoever. We, we absolutely loved the time we spent on the boat. We were wholly unprepared, however, being lake sailors for the difference between being lake sailors and being ocean sailors. 
um, we did before before we bought the boat, we did three different courses to try to prepare. Um, not the ASA courses. These were separate things that we did. We took, um, one, one was an ASA course. It was ASA 114 on a catamaran because at that point we didn't know if we wanted to do a catamaran or a monocoque. And so we took that class and, um, we loved it and we loved the boat that we were on, but we realized immediately that we were never going to be able to afford one. And so that took that out of the equation. We took a class on a Pearson 35 from New Jersey up around Block Island, through the Long Island Sound, down through New York, around Sandy Point, and back to New Jersey. It was a disaster (laughs) because the boat was in terrible shape and the captain was completely not up to the task. Uh, But we learned a ton about... (laughs) what we wanted and what we didn't want through that trip. And then we took a third trip um, with John Kretschmer, who is a a teaching voyager, and it was the best money we ever spent. And we spent a week going um, across the Gulf Stream to the Bahamas and going around some islands in the Bahamas and then coming back. And at that point, we discovered that we really loved the open ocean. What we failed to consider is that we loved the open ocean because we were on a 47-foot boat with a crew of six people. When we got out on the open ocean in a 42-foot boat with two people, we discovered we didn't like it so much because now on overnights, you're you're single-handing in opposite shifts and you don't get to see each other and you're, you're tired all the time. It's just a completely different experience. So we discovered that we were coastal sailors and we like to go and be at anchor every night. And it completely changed the way that we began to cruise at that point. So that's another thing to think about, you know, as you start to prepare and decide what kind of cruiser are you? Are you one who's going to cross the Pacific Ocean uh, or are you going to do what we do? And, and coastal cruise and in the ICW and back and forth to the Bahamas. And, um. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know, we went up and down the East Coast and around Florida and through the Gulf of Mexico and back and forth to the Bahamas several times. And we were completely content with that lifestyle. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always a lot to explore, even in your own country. Like, you don't necessarily have to go to the far-flung places if you're just somewhere new in your own country, especially in the USA, when you have so much coastline, a lot of it also in warm waters once you get further south. So no wonder. So you started off in the Chesapeake Bay area and then made your way down for... Or did you go kind of back and forth over the years? We went from the... Chesapeake from Annapolis down the ICW to Florida across to the Bahamas and back. And we did that back and forth three times from, from Annapolis back and forth three times. And then we went around to the west coast of Florida the couple years that, because we were working in a boatyard in, in Palmetto, the Bradenton area in Florida. Um, and so we went around to the West Coast and, and did some of the, uh, the Gulf Coast of Florida. The, the farthest that we ever went was uh, Eleuthera, as far as the Bahamas. We never went any farther south. Well, I was going to ask then, having explored the coastline very extensively, uh, as well as the Bahamas, do you have any uh, favorite places that you really look back to with fond memories? The Abacos. Absolutely positively our favorite place is the Abacos. Yeah, no wonder. Especially Green Turtle. Green Turtle uh, is is our favorite place, bar none. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And everybody I've talked to who's been to the Bahamas says the same thing, that they are just exactly every bit as good as what everybody says. So Yeah, we were so happy that we got to be there before Dorian uh, because, you know, they're the Bahamas will be decades before, I mean, the Abacos will be decades before they're ever back to what they were when we had the opportunity to see them. Yeah, for sure. They've changed a lot, for sure. And so you did your sailing adventure as planned for five or so years going back and forth and, and doing a little bit of work along the way. And now, after all these years on the water, what were some of the reasons that you decided to return back to land for a little bit anyway? Well, we originally had a plan to do a charter company on our sailboat. And we both got our captain's licenses with that in mind. but. Unfortunately, it was going to take us the better part of a full year to get that up and running enough to be able to support us. And we were down in our cash to the point where he was either going to have to go back to work at the boatyard another season, or we were going to have to stop and find a full-time job because we didn't have enough cash to get us through that point. And then our eldest daughter and her family wanted to cruise with us for a little while and we had enough money to, to go and cruise with them for, for about six or eight months. And so we just decided that's what we were going to do. And then at the end of that time period, um, he got a job offer in St. Louis that, that was one that he couldn't turn down and it was close to the rest of our family. So, you know, that's why we came back. And at that point, we knew we were going to need to make a transition to a trawler because the boat that we had, the Tartan 42, is a, a bit of a thoroughbred. She's a really, really excellent sailing boat, but she requires um, 
a good bit of physical stamina to operate. And we were getting on an age to the point where we were beginning to realize we were going to need to make that transition. And so it didn't make any sense to keep the sailboat on the hard with all the expenses that that entails and to have her wasting away as well while we made enough money to go back out. Um, so we put her up for sale and, and sold her in 2019. And um, then we last year, um, we purchased our, our new trawler, uh, not new, new to us, <laughs> trawler. And um, and we're getting ready to, to go back out on that for a while. But we're not going to do the full-time cruising any longer. Um, she's currently birthed in uh, Oriental, North Carolina. And we're going to um, move her. We're going to do the northern part of the Great Loop and move her down here to the St. Louis area where we'll use her for, for weekends and, and long trips through in the river system. Yeah, well, that is interesting. So you had this time on the water, then you kind of unintentionally took a pandemic break as it turned out to come upon us. And now, uh, now this, uh, we're getting somewhat over it. You're heading back out there on a different kind of vessel. Um, what is it that keeps you wanting to go back for more? You did, you know, five years of exploring, but now you're like, no, still need a little more. You said it in your email to me. It's the wanderlust. I mean, my husband and I, we, we've known each other over 50 years. We kind of grew up together. We were teenagers when we met. And both of us have always had a bad case of wanderlust. And we've spent a ton of time on motorcycle trips and flying and, and just exploring everywhere. And the boat was just another extension of that. And, um, I like, on the, on the sailing aspect, the things that, that really mean a lot to me are being out in nature, first of all, because when you're out on the water, nature rules. Mother nature always rules. You don't do anything without her permission. And so being out in nature like that, the independence, the self-sufficiency, the aspect of the low carbon footprint, although it's not quite as good on this boat as it <laughs> was on the sailboat. Um, but all of those things are are the things that we enjoy. And we we don't want to get to the end of our lives and be sitting in our rockers on our porch <laughs> and say, I wish I had. Um, I'm eternally grateful that we had the opportunity to be able to retire when we did onto the sailboat. And those, and for those five years that we spent cruising, I, I just am so, so grateful that we did that and, and that we had the opportunity and the means to do it and that we didn't wait. I mean, we weren't really ready. There's no question. We didn't really, we didn't have enough money. You never have enough money, but we didn't have enough money. The boat was not ready. And, you know, it, the, the boat that we bought was the wrong boat for us and, and it was not as represented, and that's why we wrote the book "How Not to Buy a Cruising Boat" because it, it was it was a disaster. Um, but nonetheless, that five years is probably the most meaningful time in my life uh, as an adult. I mean, it just 
the people that we met, the things that we saw, the places that we went and the new cultures that we experienced are just absolutely invaluable. Yeah, what well, you said that your boat selection was a bit of a disaster. So why was that? Was it just because you discovered later on that ocean sailing is not really your thing and you don't need an ocean sailor? Or was there more to it? It was a combination of several things. Yes, it it was it, it was a blue water boat. And everybody kept telling us you have to have a blue water boat. You have to have a boat that that has a certain style of companion way that this one had. Instead of opening on both the top and the front, this companion way was just a single slider that that slid back on the top. And the the reason for that is because it doesn't down flood the boat. If you take water in the cockpit, it doesn't flow down in and, and sink your boat. Great idea if you're going to sail around the world. Um, and, you know, there are just so many aspects in that boat that made it not a good coastal cruiser. It was a super sailing boat, great for, you know, three, four weeks on the ocean going across the Pacific, um, but not very good for coastal cruising. And the other reason is that it was badly, badly misrepresented in the ads. And because we had no experience with boats, we got taken for a ride. And we were coming out of the aviation environment where everything is super regulated and parts and maintenance are done to a certain standard. And to be introduced to the marine industry where none of that applies was a real shock to us. And we expected if we hired surveyors to survey the boat, of which we hired three different surveyors when we bought that boat, we expected them to be honest and forthright and to let us know what was wrong with the boat. And none of that happened. And as a result, we ended up spending tens of thousands of dollars after we bought the boat, repairing things that supposedly worked when we bought the boat. So there were just there were just a lot of issues and it and it's way too in depth for this podcast and, and that's why we wrote the boat the book. It's out there um if anybody wants to go deeper into that before you buy a boat, it's a great resource. But um but it's it's something that you really have to be careful of if you have no prior experience is that you do your homework and you get people that you trust. Yeah, and I will link to that uh, book so anybody can go check that out. I'm curious though, now that you had the sailboat experience, that that did that help you to buy a trawler, or is that again a different ball game? Um, no, the the purchasing of the boat principles are still the same. Um, there's different equipment. Obviously, you're much more concerned with the the power plant issues. Um, and you don't have to worry about sails or, or rigging, running rigging or standing rigging or anything like that. Um, but the rest of the boat, you know, all of the rest of the boat, the safety aspects and, and uh, the hull and, um, you know, the running gear, the prop and, and so forth, all those still are the same. So what we learned buying our boat definitely helped us. And we ended up with a really terrific boat. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful boat and I'm very excited to get 
get going on it. <laughs> I bet, and you had uh, some good plans for it as well. And and this sort of six months on, six months off uh, seasonality is quite interesting as well, because you know maybe you get a little bit bored of the sailing or tired of it, and then okay, let's go on land for a little bit, and then you get you know a little bit tired of the land life, and you get to go out and explore again. So I think that's a really fascinating balance. Like I mean, I would always want that for myself. Given that, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of people who have started after retirement. I, a lot of my previous guests have been, you know, 20, 30, 40 somethings who've, you know, changed their life differently. So I was really curious to talk to you and, and learn from you. And I'm wondering, would you have any advice or words of inspiration to share uh, to anyone who is, you know, say over 50 years old and is thinking about their own retirement project? I guess my first reaction to that is don't wait. Um, but that comes with a caveat because you don't want to just jump in completely unprepared because that can lead to a real disaster. I mean, sailing, sailing is not easy. It's not an easy lifestyle. And there's so many things about it. Um, well, like, you know, you've either got to carry your water or you've got to make it if you have a water maker. And, and I would never own another boat without a water maker after cruising for, for that amount of time on our sailboat. You have to deal with your sewage. You, when you go to the grocery store, it's an all day thing because you have to, in most locations, walk to the store maybe a mile and a half. You've got to either carry that back or you've got to have carts to wheel it back. You've got to get it in the dinghy. You've got to get the dinghy to the boat. You've got to get the groceries on the boat. Then you have to get them all stowed. There's, there's just so many things that you take for granted when you're on land. And, you know, you, you go to the bathroom, you flush the toilet, and that's it. You never have to think about it after that. Um, you know, you throw a load of laundry in and you might put it in the dryer. You might not till the afternoon when you do laundry on a boat. It's an all day occurrence. You have to load it into the dinghy. You have to go to the laundromat. A lot of times you have to walk there or you got to take an Uber, you know, bring it back, get it in the dinghy, get it on the boat. It's just, it's a lot of work. And if you're not self-sufficient and if you're not mechanically inclined it's probably not a really terrific lifestyle. Um, like I said, unless you're independently wealthy, even then it can be difficult because if you break down and you're not near somewhere that can help you, you know, if you're not self-sufficient and, and not mechanically inclined, how are you even going to get there? So yes, don't wait because so many times we would hear about people that were dreaming of the lifestyle and had a quote unquote five year plan, which ours took six, not five, but <laughs> they had their five year plan. And a year before they were ready to leave, one of the two of them had a heart attack or one of the two of them, you know, got cancer or whatever. Um, and so, you know, if you wait, you run the risk of something like that happening, but you still need to be prepared. You need to learn. If you have no prior sailing experience, at a minimum, take the ASA 101 through 105 classes. Um, you know, do do some 
I, a lot of people say they charter for experience. I don't particularly care for charters because they're so expensive. You can take classes out there that that are just one-on-one with the captain of the boat that cost less than charters. And so that way you're getting more bang for your buck. Um, there's, there's a lot of different ways to prepare. Read everything you can get your hands on. Talk to everyone you can talk to. Walk the docks anywhere you go and just try to talk to other, other cruisers, other liveaboards, people doing it all the time. And just try to get as much experience as you can and as much knowledge as you can. And then be prepared to make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> the other thing that I would have to mention is be sure that your relationship with whomever you're going with is rock solid because cruising is a real test of those relationships. You're with each other 24-7. You're with each other in very stressful situations. You also are in a position where one of the two of you has to be even if you're co-captains, one of the two of you has to be ultimately responsible. And sometimes that can cause some difficulties if the captain is a little too aggressive in their authoritarian (laughs) manner. It can cause some problems in relationships. Um, Some people feel like if they go cruising, it will solve their problems. It won't. It'll, It'll magnify them. It won't solve them. If you're an alcoholic on land, you're going to be a worse alcoholic on the boat. If you are not getting along on land, you definitely will not get along on the boat. So that, that's just something else to really consider. Most, I think, couples that are retirement age are probably pretty secure in their relationships. Um, for us, we're best friends first, husband and wife second. We genuinely enjoy spending time with each other. We like each other. And so it worked for us uh, really, really well. It was, it was a really good time for us. And have a sense of humor. <laughs> Be willing to laugh at yourself because you're going to make a lot of really dumb mistakes. <laughs> so you got you to gotta be willing to laugh. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that last piece of advice. Like, yeah, just be ready to have a little giggle out of yourself when things go sideways, <laughs> which they will. They will absolutely go sideways. <laughs> if it can happen, it will on a boat. <laughs> well, there's a motto. <laughs> Wonderful, Deb. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and, and your perspective on the sailing life. It was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, it's time for a different story, and it will be about exploring the Caribbean. In the meantime, you can come say hi on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me as the Liverbird Sailing Podcast. And of course, I would be delighted to have you join Patreon, where I share some extra content and updates along the way. You can learn more at patreon.com forward slash Liverbird Sailing Podcast. And bye for now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.